Hi, and welcome to the Switch Natural Podcast. My name is Andrea Dar, and on my journey to find non-toxic products, I've met some amazing people. People that are driven by their life experiences to create something new that can help others on their wellness journey. I'm sharing candid conversations so that you can be inspired too. I have been wanting to talk to you, Melissa, for so long. I think it's been over a year that I said we've got to do a recorded conversation because you have so much good information to share. And I knew that people would really benefit from hearing you speak. So thanks for meeting with me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm honored. I'm happy to be here. Yay. So I want to start. um, I know that your knowledge of health, nutrition, the really like the detailed inner workings of the human body, it's evident that your knowledge is really, really deep. So I want to know when and how did your journey to functional medicine start? Was there a life event or something that happened that kind of got you started on this journey, a moment, an event? Have you always had this interest? Has this always been part of your life? So my journey started 13 years ago in 2009, and I accredit this to three things. I'm going to tie it all together at the end. Okay. One is my first of three pregnancies and a friend introduced me to Bradley birthing method and they promote natural birth, eating healthy, and then I'm the boss of my body. And so my entire life, I always thought I should or have to do what conventional doctors say or that they know best. And I told my OB that my birth plan is without epidural. And she said, you'll likely surrender to epidural. Most people do. And she even suggested a C-section. So wow. In the beginning. In the beginning. Yes. And so that showed me that she didn't understand the difference in health for the mother getting incisions and the child's microbiome, you know, between Mm -hmm. getting inoculated by the mother's beneficial vaginal microbes versus latex gloves, nurses wear, or blankets, staff skin, you know? So you were on to these details. I mean, you knew there was something in you that you had this, you had this instinct that C-section is not natural. And you knew enough about the microbes to know that that was important for your birth plan. Well, thanks to the Bradley birthing method. To the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, and she always seemed in a rush and I was being discouraged rather than encouraged. And the key here is that I learned I have a choice and a decent doctor wouldn't discredit my intention to deliver naturally free of drugs. So I ended up switching OBs, OB at 37 weeks and she, right. (laughs) So late, that's brave, right? A lot of people. It was so brave. Yeah. (laughs) And so she actually delivered all three of my children and Um, yes, all without epidural, thanks to her support. So because of also because of my birth plan, she made sure the hospital used the organic non-toxic baby wash I brought instead of the, you know, paraben laden Johnson and Johnson, we did uh, delayed cord clamping, we forego the first shot, and I was given time to breastfeed right after birth. Wow, that was the first. So two, is after giving birth, my mother-in-law, who is from Taiwan, she was adamant that I followed Chinese, traditional Chinese methodology for postpartum care. And that includes Mm -hmm. like warm 
herbal drinks, organ and fish soups, no cold raw food, no cold ice drinks, no exposure to cold air or wind. I wasn't even allowed to open the fridge for 30 days. And so, wow. Yeah. Right. Which is so interesting because one of the things that I've done it is drink room temperature water that I felt has made such a big difference in the way that I feel. So I think that's really interesting that it's promoted for pre for post birth as well. Just and all together, nothing cold. That's really interesting. And actually, this is probably, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little off topic, but if yeah. you, during pregnancy, you drink a lot of um, cold liquids, ice cold water and whatnot, um, supposedly the, it's known that the baby would be more prone, have a weakened immune system and be more prone to getting sick, colds and whatnot um, once they're wow. born. So, so during pregnancy, but then after they're born, they have these, these effects. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I packed a steamer to the hospital to heat my food and my dad brought the herbal drinks and the broths, which I ordered from a company that specifically makes food for postpartum care to the hospital. And, you know, wow. as a side note here, I'm trying to recover and the staff kept trying to bring me pictures of ice water, constantly yep. offering me pain meds and giving me these gum laden yo plate and fructose laden packaged fruit like i understand that's how the system is but it's still disappointing to know how far behind we are in creating health and healing so i i mean this is exaggerating but i felt like they were trying to kill me <laughs> and yeah once you learn once you start to learn i, I mean for me it's looking back at my time in the hospital i spent seven weeks in the hospital up to the birth of my twins and so many things I had that huge like you mentioned the huge ice jug of water that I drank and drank and drank and thankfully my husband brought me food which was wonderful every day but otherwise if I were to eat what they brought you're right it's not healthy food and then you're in the hospital so it is um I know it's, it's ironic because it's supposed to right right ironic it's supposed to be a place um for healing and so my mother-in-law told me that giving birth is one of the most vulnerable events um, our body experiences and that previous ailments, whether before from childhood, teens, 20s, could be remedied if I ate right and took proper care of myself for at least 30 days after giving birth. Wow. Okay. And what did you notice? in your recovery or can you come, I guess you can't really compare it to something else because you didn't have a previous, you did something different, but did you notice differences between yourself and maybe what your friends went through or uh, family members? Actually, I can tell without you without doing um, these practices. I actually, I'm going to, when I tie it together, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up, uh, I'm going to answer that question. Okay, sure. So, go ahead. So lastly was watching Food Inc. documentary, learning about high fructose corn syrup, um, Monsanto and the government's involvement. So the first Food example, Inc. yes, Food Inc. documentary, that's how it all started for me with um, food. And okay. so the first example was about conventional care, less understanding of the importance of natural birth, the dictator approach, doctor's convenience, not being respected, you know, and the second example was about a healing method via food and lifestyle. And the third example was about the food industry. So collectively from these experiences, I realized how food can be medicine or poison, that basic daily actions such as drinking warm water, not leaving my hair wet, 
eating warm cooked foods, resting can promote healing. And that standard care isn't always very caring. You know, it's limited to medications and surgeries, which are abrasive, even though it, it does have its place, like for acute care, if you're, you know, have a, a broken limb or something, that's when you know you may need surgery. So I practice health and I felt better as I aged and I was in the best shape after giving birth three times versus my teenage years, my twenties, my thirties, you know, I felt so great that yes. I decided to go back to school and earn a master's and several certifications, which include functional medicine, preventive cardiology, integrative health and nutrition, because I want to help other women feel their best as well. So I'm proof we can feel a gazillion times better as we age. So that's amazing. That is so amazing. And it, you know, I, I know you and I, I sort of just from following you and talking to you, I know you do all of these things. And I think somebody might look at you and think, how does she do it all? And it is that's, amazing what you're doing, but that's I, what I wonder about you. <laughs> I know a big part of that is how, what good care you're taking of yourself. Like you said, you've gotten older, but you've learned to take care of yourself in a way that you're able to do all the things that you want to do and enjoy them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I wasn't well before I got pregnant <clears throat> and it was the way I took care of myself after I gave birth that, you know, I, I felt the best I have in my life. So Wow. That, that's, that's really cool. That's really amazing. And so I, along your journey, I know that you have, we've practiced functional medicine, you have one-on-one -on -one clients, and then most recently you've come out with a supplement, a vitamin B supplement, and that you feel very passionate about, that it can help people's lives. And there's so many supplements on the market. So I'm really curious, why do you, why did you start with a B vitamin? What is really special about it? So I started with these because they're essential. They're incredibly important at all stages of life. And, you know, all our cells need bees. They are the building blocks of life. So especially B2, B6, folate, which is B9, and B12 for methylation. So bees are like the electricity needed to charge a battery so the car will run. It affects our energy, brain function, thyroid, skin, immune system, hormones, detoxification. And I also find that most clients need bees one reason is high MCV, mean corpuscular volume. I see a lot of results in the 90s, which is within reference range, but doesn't mean it's okay or optimal. And that average blood cell size in the 90s, it can't really fit into tiny capillaries for circulation. It's too big. So deficiency in B12 can cause that. And also importantly, some people need and depend on bees due to a MTHFR mutation. Okay. I, you mentioned folate in there. And I, I think if people that have been pregnant before that kind of sticks out because you hear about, you need folate or folic acid, folic acid is what you hear the doctor say that you need during pregnancy. Um, can you talk a little bit about folate specifically? Uh, yes. So there are studies done where if, um, 
low, low or deficient uh, folate is linked to neurotube defects. Yes. So it's very important in pregnancy. And there's a specific type, right? You want folate in, instead of, there's a, a different types of folate. Is there a specific one that you want for pregnancy? For some reason, I've seen this before. So the active form is methylfolate and mm. you and most of the supplements are made with folic acid. That's the synthetic form. So the body still has to biochemically convert that. If, you know, granted there's no impairment. Yeah, okay. Right, I think I've, that's a good distinction, the synthetic versus the methylfolate. And the other thing that you mentioned was the MTHFR. And so it's funny, I first heard this word, the MT, uh, MTHFR mutation. My cousin brought this up to me years ago. I think I was like in college, maybe this was before I really kind of got started on my journey. And she was telling me all these changes she was making. And she's like, you really should get tested for this because this has helped me to know that I have it. Um, can you explain a little bit about what that mutation is and uh, maybe what, what people should do that have it? Yes. So MTHFR, which is methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase, is a gene that instructs our body to make an enzyme that converts folic acid or folate to methylfolate. And about 50% of Americans have this MTHFR mutation or SNP, SNP, which is a, a single nucleopeptide polymorphism. And these individuals have reduced enzyme activity and therefore struggle to convert folic acid to the active form methylfolate. So, okay. And, and so it's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you can go ahead. No, go ahead. And it's required for methylation and folate in other bees. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, there are like electricity and methylation is like the battery and our body is like the car. So not enough electricity, then, you know, we're going to run sluggishly or have low energy, poor detoxification, anxiety, even PMS. So people with this polymorphism can eat foods or take synthetic supplements with folic acid and still struggle with this conversion. And it can cause buildup of folic acid. So a big problem with buildup of folic acid is that it increases homocysteine and high homocysteine increases the risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, dementia, infertility, it damages arteries. And so folate um, in partner with B6, B12 break down homocysteine to create methionine and that breaks down fat. So it doesn't accumulate in our arteries and cysteine, you know, it helps make collagen. It's important for hair growth that our body needs. So. Wow. So we actually can use B vitamins just to get us charged. Like you said, like electricity, but also to prevent other, um, adverse health events in our future is what you're saying, because it, it prevents us from building up this folate. Is that right? Uh, folic acid, oh, folic acid. That's the buildup of folic acid. Yeah. So okay. people who have, um, you know, this polymorphism or who, um, older people, because, you know, the meth, the conversion becomes more sluggish when you get older, um, okay. it can have buildup of, um, folic acid from food, from 
um, synthetic um, forms in the supplement. So it's important to take the active form. The active form. Okay. And I'm, that is why that's what's in your B vitamin. And that's what makes it extra special for people that have this MTHFR yeah. issue. Yeah. Balance is particularly important for those with MTHFR because it's, it, it's the active form it's in five MTHF and, and it, it's readily, you know, to be used in the methylation methylation cycle to support the body's needs, including DNA repair. Okay, and so balance. Just, I don't think I mentioned this before, but balance is her vitamin. The name of her vitamin B supplement, and as she's been describing, there are multiple components in that B vitamin, uh, folate being one of them. Thank so that's you. amazing. That's amazing. Um, and speaking of supplements in general, what should people look out for when they're trying to supplement? If you're going to buy supplements, um, you know, you mentioned that some supplements have synthetic forms or things that our body doesn't process as well as bioavailable forms. So what, what could, what, would, what should we look for? Okay. So the first thing I look at are other ingredients, because if it contains magnesium stearate, steric acid, silicone dioxide, silica, amorphous silica, or microcrystalline cellulose, then it won't make my cut. And almost 100% of supplements are made with those potentially harmful fillers and flow agents. And if we look into microcrystalline cellulose, for example, it's typically made from wood pulp, which can't be broken down or absorbed by the body. And studies show that it can accumulate and clog up in our body and cause inflammation, also digestive upset. Um, and with magnesium stearate, it's usually made from a hydrogenated process. So it is a hydrogenated oil and um, people, companies usually use palm and palm oil is linked to cancer. And as a side note, most liquid supplement uses palm as a base. And so steroids have been known to suppress T cells and that, um, which means it lowers our immune system. So for, wow. silicone, for silicone dioxide, it's linked to inflammation and leaky gut. So, and actually there's not many studies on this, but I believe it's one of those ingredients like BHT in food, BPA in plastic, P PTFE in nonstick um, cookware or recently benzene in dry shampoo, where later on the authorities reveal how much harm it can cause on our body. So the FDA considers these generally safe in small, in small amounts. So that says something. And so I, I believe we can choose cleaner supplements, especially if we're taking it every day, which we know has a cumulative effect, like everything else we expose ourselves to. So plus the point of taking a supplement is to add benefit, not do harm. So the better ones use rice as fillers and if so, or if it's a type of food, I'd make sure it's organic because we want to avoid pesticide, herbicide, glyphosate, and other toxic chemicals. Right. So, it has to be. Yeah. Uh, another thing um, to keep in mind is that the actual vitamin may take up only about 20, 20 to 60% of the capsule. Uh, so the rest is likely fillers that could be a lot of wood pulp and some conventional seed oils that people could be taking daily. So a standard and the wood pulp is the microcrystalline 
is the wood pulp is the yes. microcrystalline. Okay, correct. Got it. And so a standard size, um, standard capsule size is size zero zero. Uh, no one really, really um, identifies. I haven't seen it identified on any bottle, but standard size is size is zero zero, and it holds about seven hundred thirty five milligrams of um, content. And so if the vitamin adds up to 400 milligrams, then the rest of the 335 milligrams are just fillers. So that's something to look at. And why, why are they putting filler in there? Like what's the point of making the vitamin bigger, I guess? Um, I guess, well, for one, I think it's the standard size. I think it's extremely cost efficient. Uh, another oh. main thing is um, it's for, it's, so it doesn't clump up, you know, they're used as anti-caking material, um, perhaps for it to last longer as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next thing I'm looking for are forms and if they are in active or methylated forms, as in the case of bees. For example, in vitamin E, I'm looking for D-alpha tocopherol and not D-L-alpha tocopherol. And in, wow. okay. and in vitamin D, I'm sorry, did I say D or E earlier? But earlier I meant E. You said, right? you said E, I think. Okay, so in vitamin D, I'm looking for D3 and not D2, and that it's paired with K2. And in folate, which is B9, I'm looking for 5-MTHF and not folic acid. So because all of the synthetic forms are competing for receptors in our body and it can cause buildup and serious complications because, you know, we want the active form to occupy our receptors. They're, you know, we want them active and functioning. So going back to D2, that's what cereals and protein bars tend to be fortified with. Right. So in this way, we don't, we're not receiving the benefit. Is that right? Correct. Correct. When and they're not in the proper forms, our body doesn't recognize it and process it. Correct. And, you know, we have certain number of receptors in our body and if it's being occupied by inactive forms, then, you know, we're, we're not getting the activative, the bioactive form. And yeah. So the next thing I'm looking for is the amount such as B6. So a good level maybe about 10 to 15 milligrams. And most um, B complex I see, they use up to or more than 50 milligrams. So it depends on the person and there can be therapeutic experiences at 10 to 15 milligrams. But if there's too much, this can cause anxiety because B6 is involved with synthesizing neurotransmitters. So the amount matters and varies per individual. And a rule of thumb, always start supplements low and slow because it sets off all sorts of pathways. You know, I see doctors prescribing people um, like 5,000 IU of vitamin D off the bat and vitamin D is a hormone. So even though many people are deficient in D, it's still best to start any supplement at a low dosage. Wow, that's great advice. Yeah. And uh, I look for capsule because it offers faster release versus tablet, which has a slower release. And this can be a problem for people with slower digestion, especially those that experience constipation. Uh, also with tablet is really challenging to avoid harmful compounding ingredients. I haven't seen one, one clean one yet. So. Wow, not one clean tablet. 
Right. So usually, I yes. know, because they say silicone dioxide is safe and that's what it can be compounded with. Um, but, you know. That's like interesting about the silicon dioxide. I remember we talked about this a long time ago and you had explained that it, a lot of the silicon dioxide that is in supplements is made with nano, is it nanotechnology? Yes. Uh, well, it, it's, it's um, synthetic. It's lab derived. It can be in nanoparticle size. And if so, um, you know, like even the European food and safety authorities also question that. So there's not still not enough study, but there are some studies to indicate that it causes, you know, inflammation. And it's like you said, they give that caveat, small amounts. And I feel like that's right. almost a red flag because if you've been following things for long enough, in my experience, when something comes out and it, it might not be great, it's okay in small amount. A few years later, they come out and say, then the research is done and we find out this is not good. So we want to err on the side of caution in those cases. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I prefer vegan or vegetarian capsule because animal derived ones could be laden with growth hormones. And that's oh, difficult okay. to trace back because, you know, capsule material is usually whoever the supplement company has a relationship with and nearly 100% of manufacturers don't know exactly what it's made of, or maybe they don't want to reveal it. So um, I suspect that animal derived capsules could be made from animals with um, genetically modified feed, but possibly still have non-GMO verification on the bottle because the oh. verification may refer to the capsule filling and not the animal that ate corn where its fat was used to make the capsule along with carrageenan and other gelling agents. It's, it's my thought from, from contacting manufacturers and reading their responses. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I love that you put so much thought into the detail to do everything that you could to make it as safe as possible. Um, I found this so interesting on your website. You talked about how many manufacturers you talked to and how few were able to meet your requirements. And I think that just speaks to the amount of supplements that are on the market and you can just infer and think about how many really are quality. So right. I appreciate what you are, what you're putting out. Thank you. <laughs> and lastly, I'm looking for a GMP certified. That's good manufacturing uh, practice because it means the manufacturer is regulated. So they have to follow guidelines and there are regular inspections. And um, if they don't follow the guidelines, then they um, risk having to close. So. Right. Right. Um, one other thing I want to go back to, if it's okay, and ask you about, you mentioned these fillers that we should avoid. Um, I know that there's some, there's something else that's in your B that you don't have the fillers, but you have something else that's actually beneficial. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, I use a uh, organic shiitake instead. So, uh, you know, we don't need the, the wood pulp, the hydrogenated oil, you know, magnesium stearate, steric acid. So I use organic shiitake. And I also use that as a source of choline, which is known to, it's an essential nutrient and it's known to help um, break down fat in the liver. Oh, wow. Okay. So is choline one of 
is something that we don't get a lot from our diet regularly. Do most people get choline? It depends on what kind of diet a person has, but uh, um, eggs are very high in choline, especially if they're organic and pasture-raised. Okay. um, Meat as well. Yeah, but uh, eggs contain a lot of choline and also mushrooms. So it's nice that you have that added benefit in there. You've got rid of something potentially harmful and put something in there that people can benefit from. That's really cool. Thank you. And, you know, um, most supplement companies, they don't um, add the the oil that they use as a flow agent. And a lot of times they use seed oil. I mean, organic or not, you don't want to eat sunflower, safflower or soy or corn oil. So they don't include that in there. But um, I use, it's less than, it makes up less than 1.5% of the supplement. So for me, I used extra virgin organic hemp seed oil. Wow. Okay. So, so great, really. Um, I want to know what is next for the healthy elephants? I would love to make an herbal supplement that supports liver. I I think it can be purposeful for many of us, you know, both male and female and also vision because many people, especially Asians have poor vision, my son included from paternal side. So I'd say liver support and vision support. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Excited to see what you come with next. And I love this conversation because these are all, this is like actionable things that, that people can look for and do to improve their health. I think that people listening are trying to make changes for their health. And I would like to know for those people that are trying to improve their health, they're starting, what is something that they can do in their life that they can switch to help them on their journey? Eat more leafy greens. So you know, it's brimming with antioxidants and fiber. It helps balances hormone. It regulates blood sugar. It helps with detoxification. It boosts the immune system. It lowers triglyceride, um, it reduces risk of cancer. It supports thyroid, you know, granted these are eaten cooked, you know, it, it's more powerful than any drugs because drugs are concentrated and can't compete with all the phytonutrients nature has to offer. And so leaves like bok choy, mustard greens, kale, spinach, watercress, you know, what's interesting is it's rare. I, I, I can't think of anyone to find an integrative doctor or health enthusiast who actually consumes a lot of cooked leafy greens. You know, I see a lot of raw salads and starchy vegetables. Like I'm, I'm surprised when I, I see these food halls and there's a lot of squash, carrot, potatoes, yams, which are beneficial, but higher in carbs, lower in fiber. So I think non-starchy vegetables, especially cooked leafy greens is, you know, what I recommend for regulating metabolic function and fighting disease. I think that's where it's at. That's like so many the most impactful change a person can make. Just add more leafy, cooked leafy greens. I love that. And you really inspired me to do that. And I've noticed such a difference anytime I'm kind of feeling off. And then I look at what I've been eating. If I just start like now I even start before every meal and oh, specifically cooked 
that I got from you specifically cooked and more leafy greens. And it makes such a big difference. Steaming the kale, the mustard greens, whatever the dark green is, if you steam it first, you feel better. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. And do you want to talk about why that is? I know you had a long post about this a while ago that saved, that I saved, but you kind of explain why that's better. And I do think it's really interesting that other health professionals are not talking about steaming them. You hear a lot about raw and like the benefits of eating things raw, but there's nuance to it, right? Not everything should be eaten raw. Right. So we, we know how powerful cruciferous vegetables can be, but they are also high in gortrogens, which um, block the thyroid from synthesizing thyroid hormones. And so cooking reduces it. And so we can reap the benefits from the, the properties from the cruciferous vegetables, you know, without having to, um, you know, um, hinder our thyroid function. And so with like spinach, you know, I see a lot of people add raw spinach in, in um, juices, um, eat it as a raw salad, but spinach and beets, they're high in oxalate, which, you know, they bind to, or they have an affinity for calcium and iron and magnesium. And so we're not absorbing those nutrients when we're eating it, but cooking reduces it. So that's how we can maximize um, on nutrients for our bodies. Yeah. That's really interesting. And it's an important point. I love that tip. I, yeah. <laughs> I think you've, you've shared so much valuable information in this conversation. I've learned so much. And I think people are going to really, really get a lot from this. I am so happy to have your be your balance. Thank you for creating it. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I, I, so far, everyone who's taken it has told me about how much energy they feel and, you know, that they can focus better. So I feel great. Like I noticed the difference between this versus, you know, the other ones I was taking before out of necessity. So I, you know, it's been period, purity tested and I feel like it's the right it's the right form um, and the level is a basic amount so people can titrate up as necessary. And, you know, I, I feel the difference. My father feels, feels the difference. So I feel the difference too. You, it, it really is that the first day I took it, actually the second day I took it, I was out in the sun a lot. And that day it was a weekend and I was out with my family. And typically I would come in from a day like that and just be sort of drained. You know, I would need, but here. I, yeah, when I, I told my husband, I was like, I feel fine. We got home and I felt great. Like I could continue on my day. And it, it really is amazing when you're, when you're taking something so quality and so good for your body, you really do notice a difference from, from the others. So I'm happy to hear that's the whole point for yeah. you know, people to feel better, have a better life experience, you know? go about your day with more energy and better brain function, become more efficient. You know, that's how life should be. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me. Thank you. It was an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, of course. I'm honored to have you as my first episode guest.